Hey, I'm Kate. And I'm Stella. We're two rad teenagers who like joking around and learning new things. On our podcast, we talk about the origins of anything or concept. From gingerbread houses to roller skates to pig Latin. Also known as Ig Pay Atenlay. In today's episode, we will discuss snacks. So bag, get ready to jam out because this is Sliced Bread. Ready? Yay! Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sliced Bread. Yes, welcome to Sliced Bread. If you're new here, welcome. You just said welcome. Um, <laughs> I know, but just an extra greeting for those of y'all who have joined the Breadstick Army. Alrighty, so as you have already heard, this episode is going to be about some snacks. Okay, so you're going first. Alright, so our first snack is chocolate chip cookies. I'm going to be talking about chocolate chip cookies specifically, but before I can do that, I'll give a brief origin of the cookie in general because, of course, chocolate chip is just one type. So, according to dictionary.com, the word cookie, aka biscuit, (laughs) means a small cake made from stiff, sweet dough rolled and sliced or dropped by spoonfuls on a large flat pan and baked. It came from the Dutch word kokie, a variation of coke meaning cake, in around the year 1700. And alternatively, the word biscuit came from Latin biscoctum, wait, biscoctum, meaning twice baked. So, the following information came from an article on thenibble.com with reference to the Oxford Companion to Food. Sugar originated in Southeast Asia, and with it many sweeter baked goods, including cookies, which would commonly be found all throughout Eurasia by the 14th century. Even before this, all the way back to 7th century common era, Baked goods that could be called cookies were in circulation, but without sugar, they wouldn't really be considered cookies by today's standards. They would use, like, honey or other sweeteners they had in that time. Ooh, honey cookies. Yeah, honey cookies. I was just imagining chocolate chip cookies, which I know you're getting to, but I was imagining those already, and then honey in them just sounds really weird. (laughs) But anyways, go on. (laughs) It could be good. Perhaps. Yeah, so um, the specific place of origin for these cookies is Persia, modern-day Iran. It's said that they were little test batches of cake to make sure it was good before baking the whole thing, which I think is a good idea. That sounds cute. (laughs) Um, English and Dutch immigrants supposedly brought the cookie to the United States of America in the 1600s, and the word cookie as a name in the U.S. caught on in the early 1700s. In the 1900s, affordable flour and sugar allowed for a quote-unquote explosion of cookie variants, including the chocolate chip cookie. Ooh. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. My first source for the chocolate chip cookies origin is an article on the New Yorker by John Michaud. The chocolate chip cookie was invented by Ruth Graves Wakefield, who ran the Toll House Inn in Massachusetts from 1930 to 1967, along with her husband, Kenneth. This is where the term Toll House Cookies came from. The recipe for this cookie first officially appeared in the 1938 edition of Wakefield's Tried and True Cookbook. It quickly became popular, the chocolate chip cookie did, (laughs) being featured on Betty Crocker's radio program and sold to Nestle in 1939 to be made all over the place. Supposedly, Ruth Graves Wakefield only sold it to them for a dollar, which she never even received, but she did get free chocolate for life and became a consultant for the Nestle company. Wow. Only a dollar. Yeah, not even a dollar. But yeah. okay. <laughs> Sue Brides is also credited with the invention because she was Ruth's right-hand woman in the kitchens and therefore was of course part of this very first chocolate chip cookie creation. Nice, nice, nice. The invention of the chocolate chip cookie is said to be an accident by some sources, including the Business Insider. Um, I was reading an article by Kate Crake. <laughs> Hi, Kate. Oh my gosh, she's my name twin. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> so Ruth Wakefield was apparently trying to make some chocolate butter drop dew cookies, a popular menu item, but she was out of baking chocolate, so she chopped up a Nestle chocolate bar and added in the chunks. She was expecting them to spread throughout the batter to be like a regular chocolate cookie, like chocolate base. Um, That's what she was attempting to make, but they stayed in chunks, and so the cookie was born. However, according to Carolyn Wyman in her book, The Great American Chocolate Chip Cookie Book, which I was reading about on an wcvb.com article by Maria Stefanos. The cookie was not made by accident and came from an idea Ruth Wakefield had on an airplane that served butterscotch nut cookies and the idea was to put individual chocolates in a cookie like the nuts would be. (laughs) Sue Brides then helped Ruth Wakefield experiment and the chocolate chip cookie was made. So I'm not exactly sure which one of these stories is true, but either way, Ruth Graves Wakefield is credited with the invention. What an icon. Yay! And I really want chocolate chip cookies. Oh, yeah, me too, for sure. (laughs) Which one do you think it is? Like, which story? Was it an accident? Was it not? I really don't know. I feel like... A lot of food inventions are later said to be accidents, which is totally believable. I feel like it could happen by accident. Yeah. But also it would be cool if she just yeah, did true. it on her own. So, Yeah, actually, that 
that story leads us into popcorn because people often think that popcorn was made by accident as well. Right. So. Popcorn. Popcorn. Sorry, I said that like I knew the origin story of popcorn, but I don't. <laughs> I know. You read my mind. <laughs> so now we're on to popcorn. Usually we'll start out by describing the subject of the origin. So here we go. Popcorn is made from corn kernels when they're put under intense heat. So how does this work? The inside of the kernel has water content. When it's heated up, the water turns into steam and causes a mini explosion, revealing the starchy fluff that we recognize as popcorn. And apparently, a corn kernel is grain. Like, I <laughs> I just went down a rabbit hole of, like, finding out what's, like, really a vegetable, what's not. And <laughs> apparently, the individual kernel is a grain, but corn is a fruit, but everyone thinks corn is a vegetable. How many things can it be? <laughs> I know! <laughs> and, like, okay, apparently, um, I think peppers are fruit as well. And, like, cucumbers are also fruit. I don't know what the classifications for these things are. feels like are. nothing's a vegetable at this point, and everything is a fruit. <laughs> I know, because, like, everything has a seed. Otherwise, how would it grow? I don't know. So popcorn has been around for a really long time. It dates back to around 3,200 before Common Era. But the earliest solid evidence of popcorn in use was in the 1800s Common Era. That's a big time difference. I know! For sure. <clears throat> That's like 20,000 years. Wait, no, no, no. I, I read that. <laughs> yeah. That's like five. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, keep, keep anyway. going. <laughs> the oldest usage of popcorn was in an Aztec civilization in New Mexico. And so, some fossilized popped corn remnants were found in a chain of rock shelters in New Mexico. So, these fossils carbon dated back to around 5,600 years ago. Wow. Like we mentioned before. What if it was just corn, yeah. though, and then, like, something exploded? Yeah, that's true. But it was in a cave, in a big, cold cave. Yeah, you know? true. All right. <clears throat> Popped corn is inferred to be one of the first of many uses for corn in its relatively early years. It's guessed that the kernels were burned over coals when first used. There was also an article that talked about coating kernels in sand and, like, heating them up. So, like, putting them in a little container, basically. And, you know. So, (laughs) kind of like the microwavable bag today. Did they eat the sand? I (laughs) I don't think they did. I think it was to put over coals. So that it's like, you know how oh, we have so the bag today to like more. keep it all, yeah. So okay. it like warms yeah, up that a lot sense. faster and easier. Yeah. The researchers on this topic think that popcorn was used either rarely or exclusively in ceremonies, which this info was kind of unsupported, but I did see it in my research. I found the following information off of an article on CreditorsHistory.com. 
In the 1820s, popcorn became a lot more popular in the U.S. It wasn't really sold in bulk at the time, as the means of production weren't really efficient. <laughs> so typically, vendors would, like, use wire baskets and roast the kernels over a flame with this, like, wooden handle, which couldn't really make a lot at a time. That is, until the popcorn machine was invented. <laughs> This invention was created by Charles Credders in 1893, who lived in the U.S. at the time. He created a steam-powered machine that could bake chestnuts, cook popcorn, and roast coffee and peanuts all at the same time. Oh, that sounds like a good deal. I know! Plus, there was, like, a little figurine on some of them um, that could, like, move around and stuff. One. Yeah, it was so Except cute. I don't really like chestnuts or coffee, so... I found that information off of an article on Credders.com. According to Jen Carlson, the next big event for popcorn was its introduction into movie theaters. So this happened in the 1930s during the Great Depression. The main reasons it was added to theaters was because it was really easy to make money off of for the vendors, and it was definitely a nice distraction for the moviegoers who wanted something to go right for them because a lot of stuff was happening. The following information I got off of an article on Orville.com. So if you're wondering why popcorn for movie theaters... I'll tell you. In 1939, World War II began, causing a nationwide rationing system to be set in place. According to David Hiskey, one of the foods civilians had to ration was sugar, meaning that movie theaters couldn't really sell candy nearly as much as before. So as people wanted snacks and stuff to munch on <laughs> while they watched movies, this led to an increased popcorn consumption three times greater than before World War II. Oh my gosh. I know. So people really started liking popcorn then. This information I found on CreditorsHistory.com. So something I noticed when researching was the fact that not a lot of people were really on board with popcorn at first. Like, apparently Creditors who was, like, the inventor of the popcorn machine, like I mentioned. <laughs> critters, 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 critters. <laughs> okay. He had to give away free popcorn to bystanders because no one wanted it. I mean, imagine you're just, you're used to eating all these sweet treats and then someone's like, oh, wow, we're selling popped corn and now i i probably wouldn't want to eat it if i didn't okay. know what it was yeah that's true like corn usually he would like give it away and they would be like hmm yeah this is kind of good and then they would come back for more because it was good <laughs> yeah yeah that's <laughs> how i would be but if i saw it in the store i was just like corn like yeah. as a snack i don't know about this. <laughs> yeah i get that but anyways um, when the snack was starting to be introduced into movie theaters, employees and, like, managers of the theaters didn't really want to clean up extra, so they didn't want to allow popcorn. 
which is honestly pretty understandable. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do extra cleaning either. So that's popcorn. Was that too corny? Haha. <laughs> yeah, but it it is really weird how popcorn is just so associated with watching movies. And I guess that I all just came from the Great Depression. Yeah. But yeah, I like it. Thank you, thank you. I wonder you. if... I mean, I guess you said researchers think it's it was kind of rare back in the times when it was found in Aztec caves and stuff. So I wonder what they did use it for. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Go get your popcorn because we're not done yet. <laughs> but it's time for a Yeah. Break. We're going to we're going to we're going to grow mold. <laughs> Let's grow mold together. <laughs> All right. See you after the break. Bye. Okay, guys, Hi. we are back. Back. Better than ever. Uh, I mean, yeah. Sorry if that was loud. <laughs> so, 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 so. Word of the day. Word of the day. That is mine. Okay, the word of the day is... <clears throat> drum roll, please. Smorgasbord. <laughs> So, a smorgasbord is defined as a variety of different things, but it's also a type of Scandinavian buffet. So, I'm pretty sure the reason that it's used in, like, both contexts is because um, the buffet usually had, like, a lot of different dishes within them, like bread and butter, cheese, fish, and other stuff. So to use it in a sentence, I could say, my closet is a smorgasbord of bright colors. Or, when I lived in Sweden, I used to have smorgasbords with my fam. (laughs) Okay, and now for the etymology. This word comes from four different Swedish words combined. These are bread, butter, like mentioned before, goose and table which i'd say pretty much fits the definition <laughs> and the source of this was etimonline.com when you first started saying when you said it means a variety of different things i thought you meant it had like a variety of definitions oh. but then i got oh. it it means literally <laughs> a variety of different yeah, things yeah that might have been a little bit confusing i didn't think of it that way <laughs> It's okay. Yeah, well, I'm glad. (laughs) All right, well, then are we going to get into our next one, Stella? (laughs) All right, it is pretzel time. Whether you like the big soft ones with mustard, pretzel bites covered in cinnamon and sugar. Ooh, definitely the pretzel bites. small crunchy ones. Those are so good. I love all of those. (laughs) The traditional pretzel is a dough pastry knotted in a specific shape, as I'm sure you know. I don't really know how I'd describe that, so look it up. (laughs) Um, With salt as the most popular seasoning. And now, let's get into the origin. 
Alright, so according to an article on Today I Found Out by Emily Upton, with reference to The History of Science and Technology by Brian H. Bunch. The most well-known origin story of the pretzel is that it came from 610 Common Era in Italy or France. This story revolves around the Catholic Church, which apparently has a long history of pretzels. Or does it? You'll find out. <laughs> anyway, a monk, who was also a baker, I guess, would fold baked strips of dough to represent a child crossing their arms in prayer and give them out to children who memorized their prayers. He called them preciolas, which means little rewards. The earliest actual evidence came much later, well, not too much later, I guess, as part of the crest design for German bakers' guilds in the 1100s, like the logo of their shops, kind of, of their guilds. <laughs> Alright, next, according to an article on History.com by Sarah Pruitt, the pretzels became a symbol of good luck and purity, with the three holes also said to represent the holy trinity of the Christian God, along with the fact that pretzels were like good, simple sustenance for during Lent, when a lot of people can't eat sugar. By the 17th century, they also symbolized the love. Um, for example, one tradition in Switzerland was for royal couples to break apart a pretzel at their wedding, kind of like a wishbone. Hmm. I don't really know how this makes sense if it represents love and they're breaking it apart, but anyway, <laughs> they were by this time quite a popular snack. Now, while it's undeniable that the Catholic Church has used pretzels as a symbolic snack, there is no actual evidence that a monk created them. Food historian William Woise Weaver, who I was reading about in an article by Shoshi Parks on Atlas Obscura, has done a lot of research on this topic and claims that the pretzel predates Christianity by hundreds of years. According to him and a lot of other modern scholars, their twisty shape symbolizes human sacrifice to Serona, a Celtic goddess. The pretzel knot... So, okay, this is kind of morbid. Just disclaimer. Represents a three-part noose to kill three people at once for sacrifice by hanging. According to this source, the story about the monk wasn't even being passed around until the 1920s when it was used to heavily promote the Catholic Church, which, no offense to Catholics, but I feel like this is pretty likely to be true. Serona is the Celtic goddess of healing, astronomy, and fertility or spring, but mostly known for healing along with the Roman god Apollo. Which was interesting because they're from two different, like, pantheons. Hmm. She was worshipped in Gaul, which was a region in Europe in more ancient times. Some of her symbols are the snake and eggs to go along with that, the diadem she wears, 
and her patera, which is a shallable, basically. Her name means star, like mine, Stella and Serena. And is sometimes spelled with not an S, but a T-S, a T-H, or the Tau Gallicum, which is basically the Gaulish version of the Greek Theta, if that's more familiar to you. Basically, it's another letter. So you say her name kind of like a T instead of just a S. I don't know if you can even hear the difference between Yeah, I that. can a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, Serona. Just imagine I'm saying a T before the S. Like a t- <laughs> <laughs> I got this information on a website called Deo Mercurio, which is dedicated to Gaulish religious traditions and history. Unfortunately, there weren't really any sources that said the exact story of how the pretzel came out of this, but most modern historians, as I said before, agree that it came from the worship of Serona rather than the Catholic monk. Some other facts about pretzels are that they were made by hand until the 1930s. Oh my gosh. Um, and finally, automated pretzel makers were made in 1935, which took production from 40 minutes per pretzel to over 200 pretzels per minute. <gasps> now that's a big jump. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh wait, can I add something? Yeah. So, you were talking about how <clears throat> the automated pretzel maker was made in 1935, but, like, I think both of my snacks were, like, also their mass production machines were made at that time, too, so. Yeah, so, it sounds like it took long to be made relative to how long these snacks have actually been around, but since that was the time when, like, mass production machines were being made. It's really not too far-fetched. Yeah. Anyway, yes. The first commercial pretzel bakery in the U.S. was run by Julius Sturgis in Pennsylvania starting in 1861. Pennsylvania remains to be the number one pretzel state in the U.S. (laughs) And Sturgis is also said to be the one to first invent hard pretzels, like the small hard pretzels, which was similar in effectiveness to cookies. I forgot to mention this because less moisture, like they're dried, you know, allows them to be stored longer rather than a freshly baked goods. Okay, continuing with my other fun facts, the U.S. population buys over 324 million pretzels a year, and the name may also have come from Latin bracellus, bracellus, or brachiola, meaning bracelet and little arms. (laughs) Little arms. (laughs) Yeah, I I like that. So cute. And that's it for pretzels. Yay! If you had to choose between pretzels and chocolate chip cookies, which one would you choose? Well, if we're talking, like, the small, crunchy pretzels, I would definitely choose chocolate chip cookies. But 
I do love me a good soft pretzel. Oh, me too. I want to go to the mall. I wish we weren't. I know. Oh, I just want those um, Auntie Anne's. Wow, I sound like a... Pretzel bites. They're so good. Sound like a teen from um, the past. But that's like the only place I get soft pretzels. Yeah. Yeah, I've like never gotten a soft pretzel, except maybe like a ball game. Yeah, they're good for, you know, like roller skating, other arcades, movie theaters, malls, all that. Oh my gosh, you just listed a bunch of stuff that (laughs) makes me really wish... We were not in quarantine. Now I'm hungry for food and hungry for adventure. For... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to go on a <laughs> on a like roller coaster because huh. I feel like I've been deprived of any feeling. Like that sounds really <laughs> that sad, sounds but like <laughs> like of adrenaline though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So this one's pretty interesting, if I do say so myself. I do not thank you <laughs> thank you listeners will be bored by this orange Kate <laughs> that wasn't even funny I don't know why I'm laughing at that <laughs> that joke was a okay. whole mess a donut hole uh, a donut hole mess <laughs> <laughs> okay anyways so for the description, the modern donut is a dessert made from fried dough and is usually topped with a glaze or other sweets. So there's a lot of different kinds, but the overall mascot, I would say, of donuts would have to be the round one with the hole in the middle. As for shapes. Yeah, as for shapes. Off of an article by David A. Taylor, the donut is said to be a really old snack, again like popcorn. It's believed that it originated in the Middle East or Eastern Europe area and over time moved to Northern Europe. I just got the chills. Sorry if you saw that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that happens. From Northern Europe in the Netherlands, the donut traveled to America overseas. Fun fact, traditional Dutch donuts were fried in lard, aka pork fat, which sounds so disgusting. Like, imagine... Ugh. Sorry, I keep getting chills. <laughs> it's okay. Are you just really cold or something? No, I have to pee. But, like, also, it just happens <laughs> randomly, you know? My mom calls those the pee-pee shivers. <laughs> gross okay keep going (laughs) okay from one gross thing to another oh yeah lard also gross that would be really gross like fried dough in pork fat like ew (laughs) what kind of fat is it fried in now uh it's like sometimes canola oil and uh okay yeah stuff like that So it's not as bad. And I have half Dutch ancestry, so perhaps my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa ate those gross pastries. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Just a thought. (laughs) Never know. Well, anyways, according to an article by Tori Avey, 
Hanson Gregory, age 16 at the time, is generally credited with the invention of the donut in 1847. So this is according to legend, though, so it probably isn't fully true. So there are different ideas why he put the hole in the middle of the pastry. Some say it could be to cut down on ingredients since he was on a lime trading ship. It's quite a random trading ship to be on, but I won't judge. So he might want to he might have wanted to um cut down because he was overseas, you know. Another perspective was that he just didn't like nuts in the middle of the snack, which was something that his mom did or allegedly did, um, at that time. No one really knows what happened on that ship, but, um, (laughs) that sounded really mysterious. What happens on the (laughs) ship stays on the ship. (laughs) But I'd say that the most believable reason behind this was to make up for the fact that the, that the dough was usually raw in the middle once you fried it, because, you know, it, like, um... It cooked the exterior, but the interior remained all gross and raw. So according to legend, he cut out the middle and is said to have invented the modern donut. Another side of the story claims that when he was caught in a storm, he stuck the pastries on the spokes of his steering wheel of the ship because he needed free hands. (laughs) Which I'd say Wait, is, was he making the donuts while he was on the ship? I think his mom made the donuts and he was eating the donuts and he had to At put the same them time he was somewhere because he needed the hands to steer. Oh. <laughs> That's a really unexpected <laughs> I know. Just like That's a funny person. picture to think about. However, Some argue that Hansen's mom, Elizabeth Gregory, partly invented the iconic dessert by putting a nut in the raw middle. So I suppose we'll never really know for sure what happened, but either way, sounds like a tasty morsel. Like a tasty morsel. Tasty (laughs) morsel in time. (laughs) Anyways, I keep finding similarities between popcorn and donuts origins. Because donuts became more popular in World War I compared to World War II for popcorn. And the pastries were given to American soldiers and became pretty much adored by the U.S. after that. And I found that information off of an article by Amy Ryder. The very first donut machine was invented in 1920 by Adolf Levitt, a Russian immigrant. He ended up earning around 25 million from the donut machines that's a lot more than ruth graves wakefield yeah just a couple cents compared to 25 million patriarchy so i know anyways the following information i got off of an article by chelsea iverson So, after that, one of the most important steps for the donut was its inclusion at the Chicago World's Fair. So, there it was labeled as an American symbol for progress, which is pretty cool. Go donut! (laughs) Fun fact. So, you know how, like, police officers are known to love donuts? 
and constantly eat donuts. Yeah. So apparently donut shops are one of the least stolen from types of retail because of the large amounts of cops just hanging out in there trying to get a donut. Oh, that's funny. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And now finally for the etymology of donut, the word donut. One of the most early names for donuts was Ali Koek, meaning oily cake in Dutch. Hey, that's where cookie came from too, with the cookie. Oh, really? Wow, my ancestors. They do be inventing snacks uh, names, though. <laughs> so the word donut, spelled D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T, was likely created because these pastries used to be small spoonfuls of dough fried. So the nut part is most likely from it being a similar size to a nut. And finally, the word we know today, spelled D-O-N-U-T, is just a shortened version of that and is mostly used in the U.S. And that brings us to the bittersweet end of the donut origin. So the nut part of it is from it, the spoonful being the size of a nut, not because there could have been a nut in the center? Well, okay, that's kind of argued, like, whether or not it's, like, either of those, but I found that most researchers or whoever thought it was just because of the, like, the overall small size (laughs) of the donut. Makes sense. I like it. Yep, yep, yep. I'm just rereading these notes here, and I find it really funny. Back to the putting the donuts on the wheel spokes thing. Mm -hmm. Like, why was he even still eating donuts (laughs) when there were storms going on in the ship, and he needed hands? (laughs) Well, okay. I will never understand. Here, let me make a connection between donuts and donuts. All right, do it. (laughs) Okay, okay. So... When donuts were used in the war, the soldiers would just, like, casually, you know, be eating donuts and stuff. So, yeah. it's kind of like... Comfort what? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like being in a storm, being at war, eating donuts. It ties us all together. Yeah, I guess so. You need to, like, de-stress <laughs> with some sugar. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a wrap on our snacks all right well do you want to go into our uh outro yeah let us do it okay okay um we would like to apologize for any audio issues with our last episode about instruments we had guests and we couldn't get audio in the same way and We had other technical difficulties going on as well, so sorry about that. Yeah. And also, um, part of our outro where we give a special toast and usually just say to our sources, we should have also said thank you to our guests, Isabel and Richard. Um, I forgot, so thanks again, Richard and Isabel. This was Sliced Bread, the podcast, on today's episode about snacks. 
We'd like to give a special toast to our sources who made this episode possible. We'd also like oh to thank gosh, our I... followers on our Instagram account. You can follow us at Sliced Bread Podcast. No dots or underscores. To wrap it up, here's this episode's slice of advice. To be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. And Nelson Mandela said that. Remember to take risks by going against the grain. (laughs) And when things go awry and life gets a little crummy, just keep your bread up. And stay yummy. Thank you so much for listening, and make sure to tune in for the next episode. Bye! Bye. We did that at the same time! (laughs) Alright, bye everyone. Thanks for listening.